just everyone we get needs to be a natural risk taker. I think uh, even working for for a startup is is a risk in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I love I love taking risks. I'm not like an adrenaline junkie like necessarily. Like I'm not gonna yeah. be like jumping out of planes or something. Like that sounds fun, but. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Between the Soup, the show where friends become closer friends and the show where I talk to people about experiences unique to them. I'm your host, Gilbert, and today we are joined by Gabe Alba. Gabe graduated from MIT with a bachelor's degree in robotics and mechanical engineering and has since started the venture Modus Industries, which focuses on development and manufacturing of consumer products. Gabe and I met a number of years ago in high school at Brophy Prep, but honestly, we're never particularly close, uh, nor had any like super mutual classes together. But at the same time, I'm very excited to connect with you. And like I said, I have a ton of questions about you, your life and your journey so far. And I'm also super happy that you were down to, to meet up so spontaneously. So welcome to Between the Soup. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm excited. So like I said, you're you're kind of a busy man. So well, I suppose what's the uh, what's the occasion for visiting in the first place? Um, so we just moved. So we have a factory in Mexico, mm-hmm. and then we just moved a bunch of like machines and equipment, and some team members to this new city um, that we're going to be working out of called Guadalajara. And we reached like a really good stopping point this Tuesday, mm-hmm. and it's Holy Week. And I was like, you know what? It's just like let's give the rest of the team the week off. And I just found a good opportunity to come back home. N- nice. Do you still family. have uh, your family that lives here. Uh, yeah, all my family is uh, up here. I have family in Mexico, like kind of mm-hmm. spread around, but I was uh, born and raised uh, here in Phoenix. So it's cool to come up anytime I get a chance. I obviously couldn't during the pandemic. So now mm-hmm. I'm trying to make an effort to do more. I mm-hmm. think during the pandemic, I got stuck in Mexico for like 355 days of 2020. Oh, wow. So that's wild yeah <laughs> it was, uh, i have i have questions for you uh, about covid too mm-hmm. but uh yeah i was just curious about like um you coming back sort of spontaneously because i follow you on social media and mm-hmm. knew that you um work primarily in mexico and i mean oh, there's a lot of people that are just out of state in general so like if uh if i'm like lurking on social media and like stalking mm-hmm. your, your your profile i'm just like okay let's see you you know when they're in town and and like if if they'd be down to to stop by uh mm-hmm. which it looks like you were um, yeah but you also you went to utah recently too didn't you? yeah yeah so i um i've been wanting to do this trip with my mom like kind of a mother-son trip to mm-hmm. to like the antelope canyon and monument valley mm-hmm. and horseshoe bend yeah. Um, and we've been talking about it for That's for awesome. a while now and this was like the perfect opportunity i didn't know i really didn't know i was coming up i think that the choice to come up to to phoenix was like, mm-hmm. like last week or something just because mm-hmm. i i thought we'd be working through the entire this entire week but mm-hmm. we we finished everything before before our deadlines so so cool. i told i told yeah i told my parents and i was like hey this would be a good opportunity to do that trip have you ever been there before no it was the first time but it was awesome have you ever been mm-hmm yeah, it's I, really cool. I've heard good things about Antelope Canyon in Horseshoe Bend, but how long was the drive? It's like four and a half hours up That's to like Page, and then in Page oh. you can see like well in Page you can see like uh, Horseshoe Bend and Antelope Canyon, like they're both there, like mm-hmm. um, within like the Page City or whatever. Um, yeah. But then Monument Valley is another two and a half, like more towards Utah. Oh, okay. So, um, but we split that up. So it was four and a half hours, and then the next day we went the Monument Valley, and then we came back. So it's 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 definitely a drive, but yeah, it's it's so worth it. Like I can't believe I had never been like growing up here and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, done Grand Canyon, Sedona, Flagstaff, all that stuff, but I'd never been up there. That's really cool. Yeah, same. I I, I remember going to Grand Canyon when I was little, mm-hmm. and I remember getting there though and being in like. Oh, this looks exactly like it does in the picture. Like, when I went there, I guess I didn't appreciate it as much. Like, yeah, it's like, it's huge and, you know, grand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, what? Like, is this is this it? Like, we traveled six hours to, to yeah. get here and look at a, at, a, at a picture. But I'm sure... I'm sure it'd be better now that I'm older and can like actually appreciate. Well, like, the funny thing is, I've had the same experience in Grand Canyon. Like, it's like I don't know, <laughs> there's something about it. But this this trip is really cool. I don't know, like the the Antelope Canyon is really cool. Like you're just in like this crevice, and mm-hmm. um, it's just I don't know. It's it's definitely recommend any anyone from Arizona should definitely go out there. It made me like it like raised my Arizona pride too. Like okay. you know, like it made me feel like wow. So you know, like I can't like, believe really I'm from cool. this state. Yeah, yeah. like. 
what's something that you would do i guess differently planning like if you were to plan that trip a second time and go again um like something you maybe you wish you would have brought or uh would have spent more time that's a good question actually honestly this trip was close to perfect i can't even think of anything i would have changed um maybe i would have brought more snacks for the road (laughs) but it's something something so minor you know like over other than that like it was it was i was telling my mom i had a really good time it was definitely like a really cool bonding uh, experience trip and, and everything. Nice. And, I love that. Yeah. I gotta, I've, I'm trying to be more open about, uh, going different places in Arizona too, or just even going on road trips and stuff like that. Like, I think I get that from my dad for sure, because he, he's definitely the kind of person who's just like, Hey, you want to go for a drive? And like 99% of the time I'm like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but still like stuff like that. Like I've never been to those places either, but, and I've heard a lot of good things about it. So it's like maybe, uh, kind of like what we were saying earlier, like make up for lost time there too. For sure. Um, yeah. And then, so now you, you, that you're back, you get, we're able to see a bunch of people from, uh, Brophy as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yesterday, um, originally I reached out to Quinn Grady and, uh-huh. um, and I, uh, yeah. And I told him I'd meet up with him, but everybody else kind of showed up too. Mm-hmm. I guess they're all home for Easter. So yeah. that's cool that it was, uh, so spontaneous though. Yeah. Like it's kind of nice. Like when you're just like, yeah even if you had something like low-key planned and you get to see a bunch of people at once it's like all right that's awesome that you know you had the time to come over and hang out yeah actually that like spontaneity is like one of the things i was thinking like would be cool to talk about because like i think that's like my life mantra right now like i i'm literally trying i don't know if i'm trying to be spontaneous but i'm trying to be as unstructured as possible and like really yeah and i wonder if that's the whole making up for lost time covid this and that thing um, yeah, I would say it's very um, unconventional uh, to be spontaneous, especially because like I honestly was surprised that you said yeah to, to coming over here for the for the podcast because uh, most most people that especially if I'm not like super close with them or haven't been in, in contact for a while they uh, will just ghost me straight up. Really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and but if they don't, most of the time they'll be like, no, I'm not not interested. I don't have to have the time. And so you're just like. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, yeah, let's, yeah. I, I mean, this sounds I, I awesome. awesome. Yeah, this was awesome when you invited me. I was like, for sure, mm-hmm. I want to make make time for this. This is cool, and I get to you know like reconnect, like you said. I love that you uh, you put on uh, the survey too, like for your uh, the title of your uh, of this chapter of your life would be the fuck it years. Yeah, I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I tried to pretty much put whatever the first thing that come to mind was so i didn't think about it too much but after that i was like you know what i really i was thinking about that last night i was like i think i would definitely call this that like mm-hmm. that that title but yeah i mean i guess i can give you a little bit of backstory of how i came to to this state like to this state of mind basically when i was in college um in fact this happened a long time ago but my friends still kind of make fun of me for it like even yesterday they were it's it it was still brought up but basically i had this internship when i was in college at jp morgan and i don't know like there's something hit me that like the corporate world was not for me and like Mm -hmm. i got like in huge trouble and i almost got fired from my internship because i emailed the ceo and it became this whole like mess (laughs) and to this day, I don't really know what I did wrong, to be honest. Like, uh-huh. um, but it, it made me like be like, oh, you know what? You're like, maybe I can, I should start a company. And I, I, th- I guess this like um, idea of starting a company came from there. I started the first version of this company. I started with Austin Timmons because mm-hmm. um, I was at MIT. He was at Harvard, so I'd see him a lot. And we were like, oh, dude, we should start a company. So we, what, what should we call it? We're like, oh, let's just do a throwback to the Brophy days. Let's call it Majus. Um, we never really got off the ground. We both were kind of busy with the semester and stuff. So it just kind of like, it, you know, it just kind of parted ways, fizzled out, like the, the, the project itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, but the name always stuck. So eventually when I was ready to actually like start a company, um, I just kept the same name. Mm-hmm. So that is like the, the tip of the hat to, to Brophy. And I started this company and it was really hard. Like the first few years, just super hard. And I think I was trying to be like as responsible as possible. I was trying to be like, just like completely by the book and everything and trying to like make sure like, you you know, like I was grinding all the time or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it it was something where I was like taking it very, very seriously. Um, And you realize like at some point, like doing it in this way, like it it actually kind of drains your energy a lot. Mm -hmm. And then that, that energy drain you get 
um, actually impairs you in everything. It like, yeah. it doesn't like it, it, it you, you don't make decisions the same way you would if you were really pumped up. Um, and this all culminated in like this big, like basically cathartic catastrophic ex- personal experience that I had like a little, like less than a year ago, mm-hmm. which that's a topic for another time. But, um, out of that, I like, started trying to like come up with a, maybe like a new heuristic, a new way of living life, a new way of approaching doing a company, living, you know, living my day to day. And the person who actually were like really f- helped me form this new mindset, this like spontaneity mindset that I was telling you about, mm-hmm. or this like, um, this energy method as, as we call it is actually the, f- my first investor ever. So this guy's just super, super, like, he's just a, baller he's great like you guys can like if you ever want to look him up his name is bill warner he started a company called avid um he goes way back so he graduated mit like a long time ago or something like in the 80s or something i don't know mm-hmm. and i was talking to him and I, we were having drinks together and we were talking and he was telling me like you know like i have this like very simple approach to anything i do and it's it's a very simple litmus test a little simple question of how you go through life is whatever you're going to do does it bring your energy up or does it bring your energy down um, and he's like, and this works if you have to make an executive decision, if you ever don't know what you're supposed to do, if you're ever like in, in, in between a rock and a hard place, the simplest thing you can go down and, and like you can distill the situation to is does this bring my energy up or down? And, and he, he, he keeps, he kind of can talk about it. Like even from a physics standpoint, you know, conservation of energy, he's like, if it applies there, why doesn't it apply here? You know, mm-hmm. like like even in like the setting of like in an atom there's like an electron and when it gets excited it like raises its energy level like it's it's like you can look at a lot of things and this yeah. really is like it really applies like you just have to be bringing your energy up in everything you do and after i've been like really trying to internalize this um it's just i think it, it leads to spontaneity it leads to um just being able being more energetic being a uh, get up and go you know be mm-hmm. more like yes i'll do this yes i'll do that yes I'll, like it, it, in some like ne- like some basic way you turn kind of into a yes man you could say or whatever like you know like that movie jim carrey or something mm-hmm. or you know the whole seize the day like there are other versions of this that are kind of simplistic i think mm-hmm. but if you just focus on on like what brings your energy up or down I, I really like that philosophy. Um, it reminds me of an article I read not too long ago, just talking about ultradian with rhythms. Mm-hmm. So basically, like you're tracking like your energy throughout the day. So like it goes, it, like it this has a sort of ebb and flow like throughout the day that you can you can track either by just self-reporting or I guess you could get a little bit more in depth with like biometric stuff too. Um, but essentially the idea behind like tracking your, your old trading with them would be to, you know, uh, I suppose manage your time out of, um, the, the moments throughout the day where you do have like, uh, a higher natural energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that way you have more like cognitive brain power or even, um, just physical drive to, to do the things that you need to do. And then like when this, that sort of peak goes down, then like, okay then maybe that's just like the the next like hour or two is work where you just chill or whatever mm-hmm. um but i what your your story reminded me of um a little bit was that you know it sounds like having established um doing things whether or not it brings your energy up and up or down and then just being more spontaneous with it it seems like that like having that sort of value or mindset has sort of taken away from the the act of choosing uh, mm-hmm. altogether which could be really stifling for for making a decision of okay do i want to do this or not it's it's more of like a okay like if this if this does bring me more energy then like yeah why not like that's just kind of it you don't really have to sit there and ruminate of like oh does this give me is this going to benefit me at all do i have the time do i yeah. whatever it's just like a, it's just more binary exactly that's exactly it and that's like the key part of this is that um, it, it makes, it makes big decisions. It makes big, like life questions. It makes them all actually very, very manageable and digestible mm-hmm. because you're right. It's like by doing this, by, by thinking of life in this context, you stop thinking about like, Oh, um, will I succeed or will I fail? Will mm-hmm. I this or will I that? Will I waste time or will I not? It just becomes like, well, if my energy keeps going up, 
then that's it. That's that. That's the mm-hmm. binary. It's like you're Pac-Man and you're just trying to eat the orbs. You know, it's just like <laughs> mm-hmm. it becomes a very simplistic objective. Energy up, energy up. And then it's really interesting because your energy ends up being contagious. Mm-hmm. So then the people around you, you notice their energy up. And then you just create this avalanche of energy. Mm-hmm. And 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 then, well, does that mean that my company's going to succeed? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Like, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't actually really matter, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that part isn't, it's actually kind of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, all that matters is that if I, if I know that, like, the energy level just keeps going up and up and up, eventually interesting things will happen mm-hmm. um, yeah. but yeah it makes decisions a lot easier it makes it, it makes it makes everything about life actually easier and more enjoyable mm-hmm. um and then you start kind of transcending your own limits you don't even realize it like for example me like i there was so many things i used to do back then that like i'm or that i do now versus back then where i'm like wow how do i even have like like the the drive to do all this stuff or to mm-hmm. do this or do that like um when you're like let's do this podcast i'm like absolutely that sounds awesome like, what's like uh do you have like a first memorable like event that you did when you like adopted this philosophy like so you're just like okay i'm gonna try this out and then like what what was like the first time that you like practiced that yeah it's actually fairly recent to be honest it's like okay. I, I think it's basically a 2022 thing really okay um but um it's been able like i've been able to keep it up basically like every day mm-hmm. um since Sweet. um and i'm trying to think like the first I, I some come to mind how about this how about this instead of answering that question i want to tell you like this little this little story okay. i thought of because i had this crazy thought the other day and it really blew my mind and i was actually telling the whole team like uh, at work about this and like mm-hmm. i was kind of like we were having kind of a meeting to rally people up for this big move we were doing and stuff um and i was uh I was, t- I was telling him about this, and, and it's really crazy. Um, so, I don't know if you're a fan of the Beatles. Uh, I mean, I like their music, yeah. but I wouldn't say I'm a fan. Okay. And even if you're not a fan, you still kind of, like, can probably recognize just their, like, the, their cultural significance to music, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're yeah. considered one of the best bands on earth or in mm-hmm. history or whatever. Something really crazy to me is that they, like, they were all just, like, childhood buds from Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And Liverpool is, like... You know, they're known for their soccer team or whatever. But, like, beyond that, it's not like it's London. It's not like this. It's, like, this global city. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's just kind of a city in the U.K., you know. Right. Um, and the crazy thing to me is that if you look at, like, the, the songwriting history of the Beatles, like, you get, like, some, like, crazy, like, best songs ever written, right? Like, from Paul McCartney, like, some stuff like Yesterday or Hey Jude. And you get mm-hmm. some some from John Lennon, too. And, and, then, um, and then you get some from, like, George Harrison, who wrote, like, um, like something or here comes the sun and it's crazy to me that those two like all those songs are considered like some of the best lyrics ever written in human history mm-hmm. um, but they're not written by the same person mm-hmm. like one is written by Paul one's written by George and they just like were friends from middle school mm-hmm. so like that makes you think there are two there are two possible outcomes one by like just miracle yeah. two of the best songwriters who ever walked the face of the earth met in middle school or two random kids in middle school brought out the best in each other that made them two of the best songwriters in history because it's the equivalent of this is like saying that like Messi and ronaldo went to the same middle school mm-hmm. not a soccer related middle school just yeah. like completely by chance or that michelangelo and i don't know uh da vinci yeah. or, or something went to the same uh daycare yeah like you, you would you would be baffled you'd be like well that's crazy you know i saw yeah. it in your bookshelf you have outliers like it talks about like yeah. that 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 concept right and it's like you you wouldn't believe it you'd be like that's just too much of a coincidence that two of the greats walked the same like halls mm-hmm. before they were the greats um but you see that like in in music you see that like if you look at apple like that's another thing right like steve jobs steve wozniak Steve Wozniak considered like engineer's engineer, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's like one of the best electrical engineers that's ever walked the face of the earth. Or, and then you look at uh, Steve Jobs, one of the biggest visionaries ever, right? Mm-hmm. There's still like lore around his name, right? And they're just friends from from the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and that makes you wonder, like, how, what came first? Two of the best minds just happened to be from the same block, mm-hmm. or were they just two normal people? But they vibed and they brought each other's energy up mm-hmm. to the point where they became the greats. So I guess that's doesn't really answer your question, but it is. It's it okay. Is, I really, I really enjoy like the anecdotes like that. It is like something I've been thinking about a lot. It's like it's crazy because it makes you kind of think like, 
you can probably achieve anything you want as long as you're like like it's, as long as you're bringing each other's energy up and as long as you're around other people and stuff mm-hmm. and you guys are like it, it's just like it's either that or we assume that three of the best songwriters in human history are just happened to all be from the same town mm-hmm. but that's a more unbelievable idea than thinking that they became that because they were around each other yeah they were vibing. there's a another book i have which is probably my favorite is a book called thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman mm-hmm. he won the nobel prize in economics but he's a psychologist from israel and the that book uh was written in with like him and his partner fuck what's his name uh amos tversky mm-hmm. i think that's how you pronounce it essentially this book is like monumental into the field of psychology because it it goes really in depth about um human perception and human biases and they're basically the people that like were able to research basically two modes of, of thinking within humans so mm-hmm. the there's like your automatic uh quick processes or there's that which is fast and then there's slow cognitive real like deep thought where you actually like stop and make a decision interestingly enough that could also be attributed to what you were saying about like the energy thing so like mm-hmm. you're taking out the, the slow thinking and making it sort of automatic yes or no mm-hmm. um but the the reason why I, I bring that up is because uh there was another book written about those two in particular um i forget what the book is called and i forget who the author is same dude who wrote moneyball and uh the blind side Mm-hmm. why is his name michael, michael something, something yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't remember his last name but in uh in that book too they he basically like the the imagery that he has uh of daniel kahneman and amos Tversky together is like they were both they both sort of like met up like they're both from israel i think and they just sort of like as you were saying brought out the best in each other mm-hmm. and were just so like intellectually like challenging towards each other to where they would just basically like keep working towards whatever vision that they had and it worked out really great because the book is honestly i think one of the most important ones to read if you want to borrow it you can mm-hmm. um but i've heard of it yeah yeah I, I've it's, never read it. it's it's honestly a little bit it can be dry at times because it's like when you start reading it it's just like here's an example of something here's what most people think about it and here's why that assumption is wrong and then it goes into like all the research and that's basically the entire book for different scenarios or like different different uh concepts but it, it's just so i don't know it's it's just like monumental research and like they really paved the way for the field of psychology mm-hmm. to to sort of develop like around that um that's just what your what your story in particular reminded me mm-hmm. of i'll have to check it out i've heard of that book and I, i've heard i've heard about it enough times now where i want to check it out there's this uh this theory I've heard that if you hear about something three times from separate sources, it's probably a good sign to start looking into it. Mm. So I think this is probably my third. So that, nice. that, that will inspire me to check it out. Yeah. I also recommend um, Why We Sleep by, mm-hmm. what's his name? Something Walker. Also a really cool, important book. Like it, it establishes like how, obviously like how important sleep is and like the effects of alcohol or caffeine on, on your brain when you're sleeping and like how, much your sleep impacts the rest of what you do throughout the day mm-hmm. uh, so I, I would recommend that as well <laughs> oh so like earlier in, in your story you were talking about how you sent an email to the jp morgan ceo yeah can you give any sort of like context about like what sort of worked up to that moment or like what it was that you emailed them about well okay so this is like <laughs> this is yeah this is kind of a silly story to be honest it's like i was an intern it was 2015 so i, I was a sophomore mm-hmm. it was my sophomore summer it was in new york city i was just like um i was just you know like on cloud nine sort of thing like so um i was interning at jp morgan and i i i got this like really weird lucky thing to happen where I think I let it get to my head because the group I was with didn't have a cubicle for me, but they had an empty corner office from like a, one of the uh, managing directors or something of that wing of the company. Um, so they put me in that. So I literally had this huge corner office, like with like floor to ceiling windows and, um, and I was just doing intern work, but <laughs> something about that, like made like something clicked in my head where I was like, wow like i have 
well, yeah, I felt like I was a shit, but at the same time, I was like, wow, I have to work here like 30 years before I like actually get to achieve this legitimately. Mm. Like this is just an accident right now. Uh-huh. But, and, um, and I think something about that, like, I also, f- I had like kind of like a, like, oh, I wonder what else I can do while I'm here sort of thing. So I emailed, I emailed the CEO. I didn't think he would read it. I thought it was like a pretty like innocent thing to do, to be honest. Um, and I emailed him because he was going to give a talk to the interns, but like they had like a raffle system to get tickets and I wasn't able to get tickets. So I was going to be in an overflow room and I was like, Hey, um, is there any chance you can like, like, uh, uh squeeze me in there or whatever? Like, I, I don't know. It was very tongue in cheek. Um, and, um, and I got like, I, got, I actually got in big trouble for it. And, um, because later HR called me and they found out about the email and then, um, Another thing I did, which was a mistake, is I screenshotted the email and I sent it to a friend to oh. like the like I pinged it to a friend within uh-huh. like who who worked who worked within the company also. Huh. But then um, they pinged it and it went kind of viral within the company oh. to the point where I was getting like pings from like the the people in the Missouri office being like, "Yo, are you the guy who emailed Jamie Diamond?" <laughs> so I think that probably was the 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 thing that 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 upset them more because it just started like spreading within the company either way the email wasn't bad there was nothing bad about it they did end up putting a bigger overflow room um so in some weird (laughs) way it it, it worked but it definitely clicked in my head i was like first off i'm not gonna have an office like this for years second of all like i'm definitely in some like big corporate machine where i'm just a very tiny part of it like i have you know um which is fine by the way, like a lot, like that, that to me, it, for me, that didn't work. Like I didn't like it, but, um, I almost wish I would have liked it because mm-hmm. it was a very comfortable lifestyle. Yeah. Like, and it was really cool mm-hmm. and exciting. But to me, it's just like something short circuited in my brain where I was like, I can't do this. And, um, and literally I think around those days is when I called Austin and we we're like, I was like, dude, we should start a company or something. So it like, in a way I'm kind of thankful to experience because, um, it like, push me over the edge to being like i want to start a company mm-hmm. um but i wouldn't say people should start companies like I, <laughs> I i really wouldn't like it's definitely like everybody like i go back to the energy thing do whatever gets your energy up for some people like working up the corporate ladder like that gets them fucking pumped up mm-hmm. you know like waking up at like six in the morning hitting mm-hmm. the gym turning on cnbc seeing what the market's gonna do this that oh, going God. to work get, getting their coffee like like for some people that like that drives them and that mm-hmm. gets them pumped get having a really balanced life where you leave the gym you go you, you go happy hour drinks this that mm-hmm. um for those people i just wouldn't say they should start a company or for people who are more like um you know like there, there are a lot of other things you can do and i don't think you should start a company unless you absolutely can't do anything other than that meaning mm-hmm. like you have almost this obsession with it um where like where it's almost a masochistic thing um, where you just can't eat and you can't eat, you can't sleep unless you're starting a company sort mm-hmm. of thing. So I will say that. So that's was that what it was for you? Like more of like a, like you wanted to start a company because of the idea of starting a company or was there like another idea of like what you wanted to, to like start? I just really want to do something new and I want to have ownership over it. I want it to just like, I wanted to have like a reason to get up in the morning where I felt like I was making a difference in whatever scope I was doing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a global difference. Like it doesn't have to be anything huge necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I, I like that's that. important to recognize too. Yeah. So what kind of, uh, if you're able to talk about it, what specifically kind of products do you, or like what, what is it that Monsters makes? Yeah. So the first project we made we came up with it in college um and it, it it's basically a rechargeable uh coffee warmer coaster mm-hmm. so it snaps in the bottom of paper cups keeps your coffee hot um so it, it can snap into starbucks cups dunkin cups um and it was literally just a fun idea of like um we had one semester left and um we we're like we don't want to get a job um, this is me and my uh, co-founder, Victoria, who is a classmate of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, we don't want to get a job. She also worked at JP Morgan, had a, like same summer and everything, had a similar experience. So we were both kind of under the same kind of uh, impetus of like, oh shoot, we don't want to do this. And um, we are like, okay, well we need to come up with an idea and make an a, a invention and if we can uh, launch it, and sell a bunch of units before graduation, then we won't need to get a job. 
mm-hmm. um, which in hindsight is like so such a naive way of looking at things because it was extremely hard to like launch a product just from basically mm-hmm. you know your your dorm. But that's exactly what we pitched. We pitched to it like a grant at school. We 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 called it um, from dorm room to market in forty days. Um, we were like, we're going to launch a product, and we had to come up with a simple enough product that we thought we could launch. So we came up with that, which which uh, we called Coffee Cookie. Um, and since then, um, I think that that type of product is still like the type of product we try to make. It's um, kind of fun, like mm-hmm. simple electronics. Um, we do want them to have electronics. We do want them to be somewhat sophisticated in terms of like you know like the 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 product there had some you know it's patented there's some engineering that had to like a fair amount of engineering that had to come into into working without overheating and being a small profile Mm -hmm. um it's powered by lithium batteries it has plastic metal parts and you know it's like different parts so that's kind of the scope um as for the 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 type of product i think like it's you know the world's our oyster sort of thing it's like whatever idea we come up with so some of the products that we have kind of in the pipeline are a little more serious some of them are just as just as quirky and silly it's just um we kind of brainstorm spitball ideas with the with the engineering team and with the design team and we come up with like cool ideas to pursue and mm-hmm. then we if we if it's in the scope of manufacturability of things we can do in-house because we do everything in-house so it's basically completely vertically integrated um then then we pursue it um and then um we launch it and if um we 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 don't even particularly worry about product market fit until the product's out there like that's kind of our approach it's get the product out in people's hands mm-hmm. and and let the people decide if there's a need for it or not because the theory behind that is there's a lot of products that like are out there in the world that because they were out there in the world people saw the use and value not because there was surveys or product market fit research like one of my favorite examples is pop sockets so it's like those things that go in the back of your phone Mm -hmm. so you can take selfies so that was actually originally developed and invented as a headphone management knob Hmm. so you keep your headphones in your pocket and then you pull them out and they're all like they're all tangled Mm -hmm. point is is you would wrap them around this knob and then you would pull your phone out and your headphones would be nice but um obviously headphones don't even have wires anymore like yeah. <laughs> so if that had been the use that they'd been like that 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 had been marketed for like who knows that company would be gone but instead people just use them to hold their phone or take yeah. selfies so to me i, I think it's or a really, even use it as a stand yeah it's a little stand and stuff so to me it's a good example of like sometimes you just got to get your product out there and then let the people decide um, so for that though, you need infrastructure to be able to launch your product. So that's why we can do everything in house. So we don't use any contract manufacturers or anything. We can literally do injection molding in house, circuit assembly in house. We can do final assembly in house, development, prototyping. That's um, really cool. Uh, so again, my disclaimer is not everyone should start a company. But if you want to start a company, <laughs> if you want to start a company, I think like the biggest cancer of starting a company is analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. It's just like feeling like everything needs to like you have to get that perfect like alignment of the stars that perfect idea that perfect everything before you can get started Mm -hmm. um it's like you're right whatever you come up with you're going to change it it's just it's like you have to just embrace the failure of it it's gonna you're like the 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 number one thing you gotta do is just get up and go just do it Mm -hmm. just like you know i mean that sounds very nike-esque but it really is (laughs) like you really just have to get up do it like not even think about it much to be honest it's just go with your gut and Mm -hmm. and you you do it and then it's gonna it's probably gonna fail it's gonna not work out and then you kind of you adapt you, you, you know, you got to kind of read the room of whatever it is you're doing and, and, and maneuver it as you go. Um, this thought that people got this like perfect, like epiphany eureka moment, and then they figured it out and they had this perfect plan. They executed it as is, um, and, and it worked out perfectly like that. Just, it just, it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and then like in Hollywood, they do th- these montages where like someone yes. has the idea and they do like the quick, like the five minute screen time where like the yeah. person's like, just like figuring it out or coding it or doing it all and yeah. it works out like that five minute montage is actually realistically going to be 80 percent of your time yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, that's actually something i talk about uh, with friends a lot too is that like i i like movies as an art form and like seeing them as like a, oh i like how they used uh, this sort of like color palette or like the acting here is really good or stuff like that but uh unfortunately i think it makes a huge impression on uh, just people's concept of the world and I think that's a, a completely perfect example of like 
selling a narrative of success that just isn't true or just isn't realistic because like yeah like you said like this montage of somebody who has like a sort of an epiphany and then does all the coding and does all the work and and scraps together like everything uh, is in a montage of like five minutes sometimes less uh when when like i was saying like that amount of time could literally be years like it doesn't go through the the day-to-day rigor of you know waking up and having doubts or having maybe even being like a little bit confused about your direction uh like that would be a more like unfortunately that's not entertaining which is why it's not Mm, in movies um but that definitely paints a, a better picture of you know going about something uh like starting a company or even just like a personal project yeah yeah and there's that 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 saying and it's like kind of overused i don't really like it. it's in silicon valley they say it a lot the move fast and break things mm. it's like it came out of facebook i think that's like how facebook used to run when it first started and now it's like you know everybody's like oh move fast and break things that's how you like <laughs> but to be honest it's like really it really is there's a lot of truth in there if you like mm-hmm. kind of get past the layer of bullshit of just how overused it is as a saying it's like that really is kind of the mindset people should have it's like just just like kind of understand that whatever is your whatever your first pen to paper is going to be whether if it's in a desk arrangement or whether it's in a company whether it's whatever it's going to not be the one it's just not going to be the one it's like and if it is just attribute it to luck don't attribute it to your own brilliance it's Mm -hmm. just that it'll be detrimental in the end if you think it was that because you planned it all like it's better Mm -hmm. just to like kind of vibe with whatever right. it is you're doing and see what 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 comes of it this actually like when i was in college i did improv and improv is actually really interesting because um like comedy yeah it okay. was improv comedy but um there's actually a structure to it and there's this whole it's a kind of a science it's actually really cool um and the guy who like led our improv team he um he he did improv with um with this improv troupe called ucb which they're like probably like one of the most well-known improv troops like a lot of big names came out like amy poehler and like i well maybe maybe she was second city i don't know there's like two there's two big improv troops and like a lot of like big improv people came from from those so he did improv with them um so he he talked about like the the philosophy of improv like what you do is first you start a scene or whatever based on some word suggestion whatever whatever you want right and nobody really knows what the scene's going to turn into so everyone's just kind of like saying things here and there and then the whole mission of an improv set is to find what's called the game it's called finding the game um and it's like you say something and eventually you say something and people are going to laugh or the audience is going to react in a certain way mm-hmm. and then if you find that you're supposed to kind of come back around and hit that once or twice and you're actually supposed to hit it like three times and it's called like oh you found the game and that's like the whole improv troupe should be searching for the game and they should all be like aware of like when the game was found um, based on certain audience reactions or something. So improv is improvised, but there is like a certain like underlying mission that you have with it. And then certain things you want to do when you find the game is, for example, follow the fun. Like that's another, like if you're trying to find the game, it's like a lot of times you're just supposed to follow the fun. You say something, you get laughs. Don't be like, oh, cool. That was a good one. Let's move out. Let's move on to a different topic. There's a more interesting game over here. It's like, no, just follow the fun. That's that's yeah. what got the laughs. Keep going for that. And I think that actually, like, that concept applies literally to every aspect of life. Like, yeah. follow the fun and find the game. So it's like, if you're, like, trying to do a project or a company or whatever it is that you're or, trying to or, do. Or a podcast. Or a podcast, yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, get it started, follow the fun, and figure it out as you go. Like, mm-hmm. iron out the kinks as you go. Um, because otherwise, it's just, like... It's just you're going to – people just will sink into, in, like, analysis paralysis. It's not like – if people are like, oh, how do you – like, if people ask me, like, how do you, like – how do you seem decisive about things? It's just, like, I don't let myself get into analysis paralysis. If I were to fall into it, I would be – I would not be decisive. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's not that I have some – it's not that I have some superpower where suddenly everything's clear to me. It's just I avoid the situation where it's not. Like, mm-hmm. I just – you you work on instincts more mm-hmm. or on energy you know whatever. right yeah. yeah there's a guy that i used to work with um who's like a who's like a professional coach now and he he posted something that i thought that was kind of interesting about um like picking over choosing so like if you're choosing something then like you're you're kind of going through like the okay it's like you know is this does this work for me is this like a good fit like 
all the things that you could do to make that decision versus like if you just pick like versus like let's say for instance like oh i want to go to lunch right now i have it's between these two places like chick-fil-a or in and out mm-hmm. like instead of going back and forth in your head about like okay which one do i choose like what was the best decision you just like okay we're going to chick-fil-a mm-hmm. like it you don't have to think about whether or not you want to pick between the two it's just like that's that's what it is like that's you know, go for it and then worry about it later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so on your on your Instagram, you stated that you were able to start your company with ten thousand dollars. Is that is that correct? So that's that grant that okay. I was telling you. So oh, that like gotcha. for, from from dorm room to market in forty days or something that they nice. gave, they gave us ten thousand dollars and that's what we launched our first product with. Okay. So that was uh, yeah, technically the, the the early early startup money that we got from from school. Gotcha. So then, as you've grown as a company, what's sort of been more of a challenge managing? Uh, managing the the funds that come in or managing the people who are actually a good fit to the to the company culture i think one of the hardest parts for me and i was talking about this with someone recently is um a lot of times you you start a company because you think you're going to be really good at something because you think you're exceptional at like any one thing right Mm -hmm. like you can be like oh i'm a really good coder or i'm a really good i don't know whatever it is um leader or whatever Mm -hmm. um and then it's funny because when you start a company it's like so multidisciplinary that whatever it is you thought you were really good at ends up being only like five percent of your day like all the the other 95 is stuff you're like oh shoot i was i didn't realize i was supposed to be good at this so Mm -hmm. for me like a big part of that is like i think i was like i've always felt like i'm like like a natural born engineer like i've always really like gravitated towards like solving engineering problems Mm -hmm. designing cad manufacturing like all that stuff so you know starting a manufacturing company i was like oh yeah like i'm the person to do this for sure like um and yeah there is a big part of it where like I was able to contribute thanks to like my knowledge and background, but then there's some part where it's like you start getting into like, oh, um, you know, management decisions Mm -hmm. or like hiring decisions or like fucking navigating bureaucracy in another country and just establish like all these random things where you're like, it has nothing to do with what I thought I was good at. So I think the biggest challenge I've had is like, yeah, a little bit of what you just said too, managing funds, like fun, like fundraising in general, mm-hmm. um, hiring, all that stuff. It's, it's just like knowing, like, like kind of filter for talent, like leading, even, even shifting away from what it is you like. Like a couple of years ago, I was like getting up every day, pulling out my computer and doing the mechanical engineering equivalent of coding, mm-hmm. which is designing and making parts and this and that and running machines. I don't, I haven't opened that program in a long time. Mm-hmm. and obviously there's a team of people who do it now um and they open it every day and they're like almost like what i was um but now it's like my day-to-day it's like it's sitting there and like simmering on like decisions that are going to impact like the team or something mm-hmm. like that or or trying to like figure out like how to craft an email on this like like business deal that we were trying to get or something mm-hmm. um and it's really bizarre it's like the 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 thing that drew you into starting a company in the first place definitely kind of changes. So I think one of the biggest challenges for me is adapting to like rising up and, and stepping up to the plate of what's called for me now, mm-hmm. which isn't engineering. Um, it isn't like designing it's, you know, it's all this other stuff, mm-hmm. um, but it's exciting. I was going to say, does that, does that bother you at all? Especially if you're going into a company like what, like you just said that you you know you were good at at this kind of stuff and now you're not really doing it anymore yeah. is that like does that sort of bring you any sort of like internal conflict or is it just like no i gotta adapt and change well i love it now because it, to me it's a sign that the company's evolving mm-hmm. but at first i like didn't want to let go of it and i feel like i should let go of it sooner i feel like i hindered the company by like really trying like i was hindering its growth in a way by like wanting to be the guy who mm-hmm. does the, the design work of this or that and I, I was spreading myself too thin um so now i've fully embraced it and accepted it but yeah there was a point where i had like an existential crisis where i like thought like um and, and it's hard because you hear a lot of rumors of companies where like you hear like you know like companies like dyson where like james dyson is like like working with the engineers all the time rather mm-hmm. than leading a team or, well, he's leading a team or whatever, but he's like, like you know, he's like, uh, he calls himself chief engineer hmm. sort of thing. So you hear these stories or you hear like, obviously Elon Musk, like at the factory floor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this part of me was like, I think I should be doing a lot of the heavy lifting of the actual 
core work mm-hmm. of the company designs and manufacturing this and that so I, I i i like held on to it for too long and i like didn't want to let go of it um and now i've like let go of it and i, I actually really like my new well, honestly my new day-to-day is nice pr- it's pretty fun that's awesome what are some of the other like common frustrations from working or from having a company too i suppose for uh, people aside or, um, or even uh your role it's it's like you're like how how long how much time do we have <laughs> be, being able to think ab- like abstract thinking like shifting between abstract thinking and structured thinking is just like it drives you nuts sometimes because when you're starting a company like no one like really no one tells you what to do at the beginning like mm-hmm. no one tells you wake up and do this and like you have zero structure there's no nine to five around it or anything which a lot of you were like oh that's the cool part but somewhere along the way you're like jesus what do i even do like what like it's just like you're navigating your own little like sailboat in the middle of the ocean you have no idea where you're really going and stuff so i think that's a i don't know if it's a frustration but it's definitely a learning curve to just know how to manage yourself even like know how to like what what the the best use of your time is what the best use of like like how to point the company in a direction um i think um other frustrations are i mean fundraising it's never been my favorite thing to do i like it more now um but it's you get just you just like it's really good for you in a way like grounds you in a way like you you get rejected a ton like the amount of rejection you get from fundraising um it's like i think it's actually really good for your ego like it really helps you kind of like figure out do i want to do this because i want to do it or do i want to do this because it's like there's clout around it or whatever Mm -hmm. um and I think this is true for everyone. There's a lot a lot of companies you hear, they raise a ton of money, they do great and everything. And I still feel like they probably have to go through like lots of rejection and, and fundraising and stuff. Mm-hmm. So rejection is frustrating at first, but in the long run, I really do think it makes you more confident. Um, like it, it, it makes you accept that as a part of life, like the failure of getting rejected. Yeah, I was going to say like if you're, if you're used to being rejected or like even just sort of aware that that's like a, a definitely a possibility you're not as stifled or afraid of doing something in fear of being rejected in the first place mm-hmm. which a lot of people do like oh i don't want to apply for this job because like i'm not qualified enough or i don't want to talk to this girl because she's out of my league like that kind of stuff like it doesn't it doesn't matter like if you yeah. get it rejected it's like if you get rejected and you move on but if you don't and it works out then that's what you wanted in the first place yeah it's like it like yeah, kind of. It's it sucks and it is frustrating, but it also sort of sets you up in a better way, like in the future too. Yeah, and then it's the whole asymmetrical upside thing, where like you not getting rejected has such an upside compared to you getting compared to the downside of mm-hmm. getting rejected. Right, like, it's very asymmetrical. Like um, I've sent cold emails before with like that have led to you know very 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 good things. Mm-hmm. And then I've sent cold emails before that just like get a no thanks, not in my, not in my area. And it's like the difference between one or the other. It's like, well, obviously send the email. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like one, it's like you brush it off. Um, and, um, the other is like, wow, now now we can do all these other things with the funding. Yeah. That's that's honestly how I feel about like, uh, like right when we were like originally talking and I was telling you about like the people that I invite over for the, the podcast. That's not how I feel about like sending cold invites. Like mm-hmm. I definitely understand that it's like, it could be like, I don't know what your, your thoughts or reactions were when I reached out to you, but like, I assume that people think it's a little bit weird or a little bit off putting, just like sort of randomly be like, Hey, you want to come over and talk? And like, some people are just like, nah, that's not really for me. And but like other people are like, hell yeah, I'm down. That sounds like a good time. For uh, me, it was super flattering. I was like, "Oh, cool! You yeah. want to talk to me?" I've been get, I've been getting that a lot too. Like for the people that say yes, like I've been saying that it's flattering. But like the people who aren't interested usually are just like leave me on ghost. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> uh-huh. um, I, I remember like at the beginning, like when I was starting the podcast too. Like I I kind of got in my head a little bit about that. Just like when I I have a like a guest list that's mm-hmm. like however many names long, and 
when it comes time for me to like actually invite those people, it's just like, well, what if they say no? Like, uh, I don't think they'll be interested or they think it's weird. And it's just like, shut up. Like, mm-hmm. just, just do it. If they say no, yeah. they say no. It's not that big of a deal. How often do you implore risk taking in your company? And what is Gabe's secret formula for using risk taking to the best of your advantage? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, that's pretty good. Really? Is that the first time you tried it? Yeah. yeah. I think it's like, it's new just because the suns are in the uh-huh. playoffs. But yeah. Nice. Pretty good. Um, that's actually, that's, that's interesting. Um, so it's weird. I'm definitely very, what's the opposite of risk averse risk taker. I don't know. Like I, th- I don't know if this is just like goes back to, to, to just, I don't know my essence or whatever but if i'm not taking a risk i almost feel like i'm wasting my life <laughs> so my natural state is to try to be taking risks um otherwise i feel like i'm like resting on my laurels and like like I, I can get stagnant yeah i think just everyone we get needs to be a natural risk taker i think uh even working for for startup is is a risk in and of itself Mm -hmm. um and uh i love i love taking risks i'm not like an adrenaline junkie like necessarily like i'm not gonna be like jumping out of planes or something like that sounds fun but um (laughs) it's not like that's not the risk i'm talking about i'm just like i love the idea of like of 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 that concept where like Years ago, people got on a boat on a ship and they just sailed and they were like, there's going to be other land. Mm-hmm. That sounds insane. Or even like what, yeah. you know, people are doing now with Mars or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, it sounds so crazy. Like, yeah, what, what's your certainty or why, why do you do it or whatever? Mm-hmm. But you do it because you have, like, you have it in your blood to discover, right? Like, right. you have it in your blood to search. Um, so I think that's very much tied to risk. And I think if people don't, I, I, I literally think you can just like, die inside if you're not taking risks because then you just like like if you go back to like every living being on earth is like constantly running for their lives like in the na- in nature mm-hmm. right like most being most living living creatures on earth are going to die from getting like mauled by a predator mm-hmm. or something so like you need this like risk this fear this excitement of like survival to to function like Mm -hmm. it's it's i don't know evolutionarily you're supposed to have this like this urgency to live Mm -hmm. um and then humans just like just like i love that the the humans like extinct made that extinct like you don't have to worry about getting mauled to death by a predator now you don't have to so the urgency to live is like gone like you you you, for the most part can like be okay be certain that you're you're gonna have longevity and that you're not gonna get mauled to death or whatever Mm -hmm. so the way to substitute that is by taking risks that's like the closest thing you can get to your natural primitive form of human mm-hmm. is being like well i'm not gonna have mold to death but you know like this whole project i'm doing could collapse in my face mm-hmm. and like that's <laughs> the closest thing to to feeling fully alive and it reminds yeah. me of that movie another round i don't know if you've seen it it's this foreign film I with um it, i think it, it, it either won the oscar or got nominated for the oscar best foreign film um and it's this concept of these like kind of middle-aged like people who are uh, it's a it's a danish film um it, middle-aged people are just tired of living their life and they're all like school teachers and they're all like have like they've reached a stagnant state and one of them had read this research paper that says that you're born with an alcohol deficit Mm-hmm. And that your the ideal blood alcohol level should be like 0.5 or whatever, and we're all born with that deficit. So they get a breathalyzer and they're just drinking constantly to to keep that 0.5 alcohol blood level or whatever. And it's it's kind of a comedy. It's like it it's not it's 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 a fun movie to watch. But like this reminds me of that. Like, what if you're born with a risk deficit level because you mm. you you know you're born in like a just in like a very nice place with right angles and stuff and like most creatures are born just like surrounded by rocks and predators mm-hmm. and stuff yeah so i think risk you need to inject risk in your life to feel like human yeah i i completely agree with that i love uh you saying that you it gives an urgency to live i think that would be a perfect title for this episode actually <laughs> 
Um, but I, I had a sort of similar thought not too long ago, especially because I was, I was telling you that I w- I've been working remotely for almost two years now. And I've only been living here, like in this apartment for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a, maybe like a few months after I moved in here and like was starting to get into like the, the flow of like working remotely in this new apartment and like in this new area, I was I was thinking to myself that like um like wow my i honestly have a a super easy life um i could have i have everything that i could ever want at my fingertips i can do whatever i want at any point in time and and i you know everything's like comfortable i make good money like Mm then that's it but then I, i stopped and i was just like is that is that it? Is that life? Like that kind of sucks. Like yeah. there's like this is so easy. Like there's there's nothing there's nothing like pushing me back. And so I kept thinking about how important it was to to have uh, I didn't really think about it in terms of like risk, but I thought of it more as like like having the right kind of conflict in your life is is good. Like it's good to be to be challenged and pushed and to go outside of your comfort zone for different things because otherwise it's like yeah that this is all that there is like you're you could be doing this for the rest of your life and that's all your life is going to be um or you can choose to to go like i said outside of your comfort zone outside of the box and and push yourself a little further and like yeah it could be scary or uncertain or any number of those things but in the end it is more more meaningful yeah um and that's kind of like my philosophy with like not just starting the the podcast but like like any other sort of like creative projects too uh just because like i was figuring like you know why why like i've never done any of this before like i know that i'm capable enough to figure it out like why don't i just try like if there's not really any sort of like like i suppose there's like risk of like sounding stupid or like not being well equipped or whatever but like those are very minuscule things to to have to worry about and just to to get started with something like it's either i can i can try this thing and like say that i tried it even if i fail and be like okay like that just didn't work out or i could just keep living and being like oh well what if i you know what if i did a podcast what if i like or i wish i did a podcast yeah um and that sounds just horrible like to to live with that kind of regret or just like knowing that you could have done that thing but didn't yeah Um, exactly it's like it's actually makes me panic like the (laughs) idea like it goes kind of goes back to that asymmetrical upside thing i was telling you about like Mm -hmm. the upside of doing something it's like if it works out it's crazy you know it's like and if it doesn't like the downside is always negligible like always unless you're like trying to juggle knives Mm -hmm. or something crazy like that then yes the downside is you die (laughs) <laughs> but for the most part, you know, for the most part, the downside is like, oh man, I sounded stupid a little bit. People forgot about it eventually yeah. and nothing happened. It's like the upside is like, you know, yeah, like there's so many crazy stories about podcasts, right? Like the mm-hmm. caller daddy girl or whatever. She's like sold to Spotify for 60 million or something like to Joe Rogan. Like it's oh, not even yeah, like, yeah. it's just like podcasts. So the upside of them is crazy. You can like really get to like interview people that are, mm-hmm. that, that, that have a lot, a lot of things to say and stuff. And you can like make a, like a living out of it or anything. Mm-hmm. And the downside is like, oh. Yeah, like nothing. nothing. <laughs> and same with a company, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. it gets a little more complicated. It's like once you start having a team and something, like the downside is they lose their jobs and whatever. But then you lose yours too. You know, like when you're starting a company, mm-hmm. if the company fails, and then and then they'll find other jobs, and you'll find other jobs, and then everything will be okay. Yeah, um, right. So. Exactly. That's uh. So like one of the things I talk about with like other guests is that like the most people ask me like what my experience in the Marine Corps was like because I did that after mm-hmm. I was in the reserves after Brophy and like was doing that when I was going to ASU um, and so a lot of people ask me like what what sort of what did it teach you what was your takeaway was it worth it like that kind of stuff and like the the biggest thing that I always say is that like it it made me really appreciate you know the the stuff that we have here and the life that we have here and it also just like highlights what's actually important in your life so um pretty much like uh is your 
are are you like in any sort of danger or are you like um about to die or anything if the answer is no you're probably okay if uh the people you care about are you know in good health and aren't in any sort of immediate danger you're probably going to be okay everything else besides that is like basically replaceable and you can figure out a way to get get around it like even if like an example i like to use is like if this place burned down like yeah i'd be sad it would suck um but i can replace everything that's in here uh i can't replace the people i care about right. nor the the time that i have to live my life yeah going back a little bit you were talking about like making sure that your employees have fun uh, and that they have a good work-life balance what does that look like for you um you know it's really interesting before like back in the day i think i really thought like oh well there's work and there's play and there's work hard and play hard or whatever but now like um once you accept that once you start a company you're always in a state of work Mm -hmm. you pretty much find a way to weave in your balance and i like that a lot more Mm -hmm. rather than having like oh here's my work here's my play here's my work here's my play it's just like it's just like i feel like a dolphin that's just coming up for air and coming back down like Mm -hmm. it's just in and out like for example i didn't know i was really coming home this week um and then I came home, and then I knew I was only here for a short time, and I was like, oh, let, let, let me try to do as much as I can while I'm here. So I was able to see a lot of friends. This is really cool that we're, that we're doing. I was able to go on a trip. So it's just, um, it goes back to that, like, energy thing and urgency thing. Um, so rather than having, like, a clear balance for me, it's just I try to just weave experiences any, any, any place I can. So um, these past couple of weeks were a lot of work, but there was a lot of r&r also mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of fun um that that i've had these past couple of weeks um this and these next weeks might be the same like mm-hmm. so you you kind of end up just trying to be like in in a in a state of work and play basically gotcha. um, yeah. yeah or just like finding um like even finding joy and like the things that are considered like work like yeah you can make it you can spin it in any way that actually makes it enjoyable to yeah. you. And that's why with the whole energy th- method thing, it like really like distills this and simplifies it in a way where it's just like, as long as whatever you're doing is bringing your energy up, that could be hanging out with friends. That could be being at work mm-hmm. extra hours. Um, and, or that could be uh, watching the sun's game. Like, it's just like it, it, it's an easier way of looking at it than saying like, oh, I don't want to waste my time. So, so some, some people are like, they're kind of heuristic. It's like, I want to make sure I'm making the best of my time, mm-hmm. like out of my time. The, the danger in that is you end up being one of those people that like, it's possible to be one of those people that just like always needs to be productive. Mm-hmm. So you start being like, well, I want to hang out with friends because what's productive about that? Like I'd yeah. rather be this and that. So rather than me thinking about my time being wasted, like rather than me focusing on my time as my valuable resource, I focus on my energy as my valuable resource. So then if hanging out with my friends is bringing me a a ton of energy, more energy than working in that moment, then that's what I should be doing. And then all that energy, once it's like clumped up later, I'll use it at work. And then that my energy at work will go up. Mm -hmm. So rather than being like, because I have fallen in the other category where it's like, you you start valuing your time and time is a important resource but i think energy is more important Hmm. um and if you start if you switch it and you know in physics energy and time are actually like both of the main characters right like Mm -hmm. like every equation has either t or e or Mm -hmm. something right so um if you switch it to energy you start realizing like you can hang out with friends you can chill and watch tv you can do that like that's Mm -hmm. part of your energy you can sleep, you know, like you don't have to always be like, oh, my time, my time, yeah. my time. So, um, so yeah, I think, I, I think that's how I balance my life now. As long as it's all bringing my energy up, it doesn't matter if it's I'm, I'm chilling with friends or like working a 12 hour day or something. It's mm-hmm. just like, um, whatever it's I'm doing, you should bring my energy up. And the moment it doesn't, like I have, there are days I'm just like at work or something and it's just like something just like, nah, I'm not feeling it. And I just like leave. Mm-hmm. I leave and I go to a cafe, I read a book or something and mm-hmm. I chill and then I feel better and I come back and then I work late, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just, you make your hours whenever you want. Yeah. That's awesome. Really, really, really cool shit. All right. So do you have any, uh, questions for me? I'm anyway. curious what, like, um, let's see. How do I phrase this? What? You're, you're like absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, cu- I'm, I'm, 
I'm really curious, like what it was about podcasts that brought your energy up. You know, like what it, like what, what, what parts about it do you like? Because mm-hmm. I, I saw a description on the survey, and you said like out of COVID, you realize that like, you know, um, a lot of times the people in your life are mm-hmm. the people who have really valuable experiences and 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 share things with you. And so it was was it a genuine curiosity to like see what everyone out there is doing, or was it like the the medium itself or yeah, that's a that's a very unique question. Uh, I'm also very flattered that you actually read what was on the survey. I feel <laughs> like people glaze over it. Uh, what I think what it is, honestly, um, at first it was like, it was sort of the the energy aspect of it was just like it reminded me of you know whenever you're having a conversation with a with a friend like i don't know like in in high school or in college and you were you know sitting at like a table like this but it was glass and it had like the the waviness of it and then like you're having like a drunk conversation with a friend that was just really good uh like originally i wanted to mimic that with like just having conversations with friends and like actually getting to like deep interesting conversations and that was you know i i feel like i've had that and and, it, and it's fulfilling like it it's it's nice to being able to to connect with someone in that way but over time i think it's it's also it's that in addition to uh being able to reconnect with someone or even meet someone i have yet to have like a a complete stranger on the podcast that's definitely on the the list mm-hmm. uh for upcoming guests but I think it's it's been super super cool to to have people on that I've like probably either would have never talked to again otherwise or that I'm just like acquainted with like you and I like we went to Brophy but we were never like like I wouldn't consider you yeah. a friend at Brophy yeah. um but like having you over now like I know that I would be comfortable like you know, replying to your your Instagram stories or just like reaching out to you with questions or if I I uh, was reading a book that reminded me of you. I'd be like, hey, I read this and you'd, I figured you'd like it. Like mm-hmm. that's been pretty consistent uh, from the guests that, that's been on who I've just been like regularly acquainted with. And mm-hmm. I think that's been really fucking cool to have yeah. that that connection. Yeah, that's really cool. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Between the Soup. I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, you can reach out to betweenthesoup.pod on Instagram to let me know what your thoughts were on the discussion. If you didn't like it, you should definitely let me know what your thoughts were so I can improve the show. Thanks again so much. It means a lot to me that you're tuning in.